Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast. So, I wanted to talk about something which I'm sure a lot of people have known by now. I am finally a published author. And there are so many people I know who have expressed that they wanted to write something or publish something, whether this is a journal or whether this is a story or whether this is poetry or even manga. And yet, there is basically no one I know who has published a novel. And that sounds like a brag, but really what I'm trying to get at is it's actually quite hard to do this, which also sounds like a brag, but it's not. What I'm trying to say is I want this podcast to help anyone who has this dream but doesn't know how to get there or doesn't have the motivation or has so many questions along the way. So I want to do two things, roll it into one, and then hopefully this is ultimately helpful, which is what I hope a lot of my podcasts are, and hopefully entertaining. So I wanted to elaborate on my novel. And firstly, just for anyone who's interested, I just want to talk about my novel, I guess, right? I, I feel like I'm the parent of a child because I've worked on this for five years that, you know, it's it feels like I'm throwing something that's a part of me into the world. So for anyone who's interested, I am going to be talking about my novel. But apart from that, I'm also going to be answering some questions. Now, these questions are not given to me by the audience, unlike my Q&A from a few podcasts earlier, episode 25. These are just some questions that I wanted to write down or I wrote down because I feel like I've been there in the sense that a few years ago, I was also just starting my journey of writing and I didn't know what I needed to know. Now I actually have another novel idea in my head. I'm going to take a few months, maybe a year to take a break, but eventually I do plan to write another novel. But now I've got knowledge and I know how to walk the path. I think the second novel is going to be remarkably simpler. So these are just some questions and some answers which I felt, which I wish I knew earlier in my writing career. But before I jump in, I'm just going to really quickly talk about my novel and then I'm going to talk about like what inspired me and then after that I'll be randomly picking questions from a bowl like I said very similar to the Q&A podcast from a few earlier and the reason is because the retention rate for the Q&A podcast was really high I don't really know why I, I think it's because I switched questions frequently right it's a Q&A and because of that it was able to maintain people's interest so I'm using the same format because it seems that people are reacting positively to that. Okay, so let me really quickly talk about my novel. It's called A Break in Rapport, and Rapport is spelled R-A-P-P-O-R-T. You can only get it from Amazon, and I'll actually talk about why that is later on. But if you go on Amazon, just check it out. Also, for any, I guess, student in year 11 or year 12, if you are looking for a related text, just consider choosing a break in rapport. I also have material such as themes, analysis. I'm planning to put like a practice uh, exemplar essay up soon. And I've got quotes and all this stuff on my website. So if you go to stanleychingstudio.com, you can actually check out my website. And if you want, you can grab free material. And hopefully that will help you write your essay better or your presentation or your PowerPoint. As an English teacher, I've really tailored this towards what would I teach and how would I teach this in the classroom. So if you're interested in, I guess, reading a 
fairly short novel and you perhaps want some extra help, consider it. And if not, hey, that's all cool. All right. So let's get to the first part, which, like I said, this is not something I drew out, but then every question later, I will be drawing out randomly. And the first question I wanted to deal with was, where did I get the idea to write a novel? Now, I'm going to be talking about my own personal experiences. Obviously, this is a personal question, but hopefully you are able to substitute yourself into my shoes and ask yourself, what are some core memories that you have, which you think would be helpful to the writing journey? Because if you're a writer or if you're doing anything, like there has to be something underpinning it. There has to be a certain value underpinning it. Otherwise, you're really going to burn out of motivation quite quickly. And that is another idea we'll be coming back to because writing is laborious and it's it's not something that you can do in a sudden flash, like make a commitment and then expect to hold that random surge of commitment three years later. Okay, so where did I get the idea to write my novel? Firstly, this idea really came about in London. Now, I was in London for seven, maybe eight, probably not, let's just say seven months to do my exchange when I was younger. And near the end of it, I was really waiting for the days to count down. I was a little bored of London by then. I think the favorite part of London, or living in London, I should say, was how close it was to other European cities like Barcelona or Amsterdam or you know Prague, Stockholm, etc. I can keep going. But London itself, I guess as someone who was born in Sydney, is very gray, but I guess I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to say is I was waiting to go home to Sydney. And because of that, university was over obviously I was just really racking my brain for like what is something I can do over the final four to five days and I remember eventually stumbling upon a dream that I've always wanted to fulfill which is be a writer and the more I thought about it I realized to myself if I never write something or I never try and it doesn't matter if it's good or not but if I never try to be a writer I feel like I wouldn't be able to forgive myself and that sounds like really intense but yeah I I just want to try it and you know if it's not good that's okay if the novel that I write if no one likes it if it has a one star on goodreads that's okay with me but at the very least I am going to try so that idea I guess oh no that desire really exploded and it exploded with like a lot of force because For a few days afterwards, I was walking around London with headphones in, looking at the pavement, just walking around randomly whilst I was just collecting ideas in my head of what I can write about. But the, I guess the groundwork was laid even a few years before that. And I've alluded to this a few times and other people have actually alluded to it. Other close friends, I should say, have alluded to this in the previous podcast, but this novel was really inspired by my first heartbreak. Now, for anyone who's experienced a heartbreak, especially the first one, you know the term heartbreak is like not a joke. It's not exaggeration. It's actually like overwhelming how painful it is. And I remember basically like being unable to move because it was so painful. And then finally, my parents asked me to take the rubbish out. So I did that. 
But because I was in that emotional state, everything was so vivid and also so painful. Because as I said before, during heartbreak, every step, every every drink of water, every bite of food is just so painful because you're completely distracted and you're living in your head. And at the same time, though, it really gives a water painting color-esque. That doesn't make sense. Let me try that again. It gives a water painting-esque color to the world because, as I said, everything is so vivid. Now, this stuck with me and I wanted to write a novel which encapsulated this vivid descriptions. Now, for anyone who has actually read my novel, and a few people have uh, you know, read it and they've given me feedback, that is something which stands out. It is quite vivid in description. And there are some negatives to that as well, which I will talk about later. You know, I'm, I'm not claiming to have written a perfect novel. But I just remember as I was putting the rubbish in the bin, someone walked past me and I remember thinking to that person... I was like a bored person, probably in my pajamas, probably looking like I'd just woken up. But the reality is on the inside, there was so much emotional turmoil. And the thought just kept repeating in my head that if someone could actually cut open my heart, sounds very morbid, but if someone could do that, they would see like just how vivid it was. And I know I'm using the word vivid over and over again, but I hope it solidifies what I'm trying to say. And after that, I realized that there is such a distinction between the outside world and the internal world that I wanted a novel which was set in the everyday mundane. It's in the suburban area and it follows a character which a lot of people, like it's not a superhero. Then my main character, Ethan, is is not a superhero. My main character, Ethan, is not, some mythic god he's just like a regular person and he deals with the same issues that everyone else listening to this podcast has dealt with or will deal with so i wanted to write a novel which captured that and obviously there are some artistic inspirations which i'll talk about later some books have inspired me and pushed me towards that sort of writing but that's what really inspired me and also the final reason i wrote And I hope this is not sacrilegious because it's not meant to be, but it is how I feel. Being an artist is like being God in a way. And what I'm trying to say by that is there's this character which I've created, which I've nourished, and I am controlling Ethan almost like a Sims character. I can push him forward. I can give him pain i can give him joy i can make him successful i can break his life i can do whatever i want to him and it's almost i don't want to say like it's not intoxicating so (laughs) that makes me sound like a power hungry person but it's really fun it's really fun to do that because i feel like i'm bringing something into life from really nothing into from the abyss that was my my mind that makes me sound really edgy but from this like place where it's all abstract ideas I was able to materialize and plunge my hand into it and then pull out a novel and I think that's a really cool idea and also something that I've touched on in previous podcasts the idea that I can write something and then someone reads it and then they think what I was thinking is crazy 
that's like a superpower all onto itself. And with that, I'm going to quickly read my blurb and hopefully it piques your interest. And if not, that's, as I said before, that's completely okay. Ethan, a young man paralyzed by family trauma, is increasingly lost in his memories and seduced by loneliness. Yet, as he stands upon the cusp of adulthood, his hopes for a quiet life of his grandma is shattered by a phantom from his past. As Ethan sinks deeper into despair, he must confront the single most important question before it consumes him. What does it mean to forgive? Okay, so with that out of the way, it is time to randomly select questions, which hopefully is helpful to any aspiring artist. All right, first question. Oh, this is a great start. How much did it cost? So just letting you know, I went down this self-publishing route, and this is something I'll be talking about more. So if you're interested in whether you should go traditional publishing or self-publishing, I will touch upon that. It took me $2,100 Australian dollars. And now I'll also elaborate. I am a crazy perfectionist weirdo. And if you are not a super perfectionist and not someone who also wanted to create a website as well, that's another dream that I always had, you know, being, being an author, having a personal website. And if you are not like that and you just want like a cheap, oh, that cheap sounds bad. But if you want like a plain, like very simple website without like animation and a lot of editing, then it will cost a lot cheaper for you. And I also got four different editors. Now I will talk about editors later. Actually, no, let's do it right now. You need to get an editor. If you are writing, especially for the first time, but really any writer, you need to get an editor. The amount of mistakes that editors are able to pull out of nowhere, even after you've read the manuscript 17 times, is uncanny. So absolutely get an editor. Now, you don't have to get four. And looking back, two was probably enough. As I said, I'm a perfectionist. And this is like a labor of love. So I didn't really care if I had to pay more. I also went crazy in the sense that I actually got some editors to edit it twice. So you know, it was probably, you know, I got four editors, but I probably got it edited like seven times or eight times by different people. Once again, I'm crazy. Okay. So with the 2100 divide, $600 from memory costed the website. That's really bad grammar. The website costed $600 and the edits combined with the cover art and the the back is it the cover yeah the the front and the back cover costed 1500 now remember that's with editing and if you don't go crazy like me and you don't make the website you could probably get a novel published for under $1000 probably if you are a bit more intense in the editing realm you can probably do it for 1300 1500 if you're crazy but yeah like I, that's not too bad for fulfilling like a lifelong dream, right? Just look at how much or how expensive tickets are for airplanes. It's not too bad, but yeah, expect if you go self-publishing for it to be around $2,000. If you go traditional publishing, a lot of this, if not everything will be covered, but that sounds like a dream. However, there are other things that will cost you 
and there are other consequences to going traditional, which I will talk about later. So stay tuned if you're interested. Okay, next one is, let's do this one. Next question is, oh, I can't believe it. I actually picked the self-publishing or traditional publishing. People are going to think I'm lying, but that really came out. So question is self-publishing or traditional publishing. And also bonus question, should you tell people about your novel, aka building a brand? All right, so some advantages to self-publishing and traditional publishing. But before I do that, let me just say I've only written one novel. I am still fairly inexperienced. So because of this, I can only really talk about the self-publishing format or the self-publishing method. Now, I did do some research on both sides before I made a decision. And ultimately, this is the key takeaway. If you can take anything away from this debate between self-published and traditional, it is that there is no right answer. And I know people want a simple answer. They want a black and white binary. But the reality is both can be good depending on what you want. Self-publishing gives you more control. So for someone who was not interested in releasing a novel before it was quote unquote perfect, I was leaning towards that already. Also, like I said, a lot of control of what you can put in the book. And I'm not saying traditional public is going to rip everything out and make you change the main character's gender or nationality or age or something, but it's a possibility. Okay. So an advantage about self-publishing is that so let's talk about a disadvantage first. Firstly, you pay everything up front. So if you need editors, you pay for that. If you need someone to design the inside of the manuscript, for example, the font size, the the spacing. I, I know this sounds bland, but this is stuff that you will need to deal with. That all costs money and that all comes out of your wallet right now, which is, I guess, a disadvantage or definitely a disadvantage. On the other hand, if you earn money, it will go into your wallet. However, if you do traditional publishing, a lot of that stuff, when I said editors, book cover designers, that is all covered. However, when you finally start earning money, the company will be taking a huge, huge cut. Now, I don't have any like specific answers to how big the cut will be, but I'm just throwing random numbers out there. And if you if you want to go down this route and there's nothing wrong with being traditionally published, check it out, go talk to some agents, but I wouldn't be surprised if like 80% of the pay was taken or something like that. Actually, I think it's, I think it's, you don't earn a single cent until everything has been paid back and then you earn a cut of any extra revenue. So for example, let's just say it took $2,000 to pay for everything for your novel the first $2,000 you earn goes directly back into the company. So I'm pretty sure you don't touch a cent. And then if you earn $2,001, then the extra dollar gets, you know, divided. You get a little, they get they get a little. So that, I guess, really didn't appeal to me because you, you, do, earn up, you do end up losing a lot of money that just gets given to the company. But on the other hand, there is no risk, right? If, if you get it traditionally published, you don't have to fork out any money at the beginning. And... It's really up to you. But ultimately, and I say this only from my perspective, once again, there is no right answer. I found out that even if you go traditionally published, you need to do a lot of your own advertisement and you need to be pushing your product anyway, which I guess that was the only real appeal I had for traditional publishing. 
And if you're telling me that I still need to market myself, which I guess I'm still doing now, I feel like it's self-defeating in a way. Like if you're a big company, you know, if you're a big company, shouldn't you be pushing me? And the reality is if you go traditional publishing, from what I know, they will push your book a little. But unless you're JK Rowling or Stephen King, they're not going to be investing $10,000 of marketing money. So ultimately, that's why I went self-publishing. But just know if you go self-publishing, you need to do everything. And I guarantee you, you will come across a lot of headaches. Now, if you're motivated enough, if you care, I don't even want to say if you care enough, but if you're okay with it, then go self-publishing or consider it. And if not, there's nothing wrong with traditional publishing. The other question was, should you tell everyone about your novel and building a brand? So I personally didn't tell everyone about my novel when I first started writing it for a few reasons. Firstly, I don't want to tell people too early. And I actually still feel like I told people too early or I released my novel a little too early or released it to the public in terms of information, not the actual novel. I worded that really badly. But what I'm trying to say is if you release it too early, the hype will die down, right? If you say, for, for example, the Avatar films, and this is not Avatar The Last Airbender, this is the Blue People Avatar. They said that Avatar 2 was coming out like 15 years ago or something. Now... It's just been such a long wait that the tension and the suspense and the care factor has just really disappeared. And I don't see anyone genuinely interested in Avatar 2. And that's the same for your novel. If you start sending people like copies of it, your first draft, your second draft, people are going to get bored by the time the final product comes out. So be careful of who you talk to and don't push too hard at the very beginning which means that you will need to draw a lot of inspiration from yourself because when you are giving it to people, you are, you know, if it's a decent piece of work, you are getting feedback. People are telling you, oh, it's really good or, you know, change that. And then you get like a dopamine hit because people are reading your novel, which is what you wanted to do at the very beginning. You know, that was your goal all along. But just be aware, if you push it a little too early, when it comes to seal the deal and actually get people to buy and care, you might have a problem, okay? So just keep that in mind. Also with building a brand, by the way, this is something I'm not very good with. I'm still trying to, you know, learn how to do, you know, do it. And maybe I need to pay agents agencies to spread my book or I, I don't really know. But, you know, things like podcasting, that's one reason I started it. Firstly, I do love it, but also to get some promotion out there. I'm thinking about starting a TikTok. And no, this is not a TikTok that will have me dancing or doing backflips or, you know, just looking seductively into the camera, which I I feel like I've got such a bad image of TikTok because that's, that's what I feel like people use TikTok for. Hey everyone, Stanley here in post-edit. So I just want to say that I have actually made a TikTok since recording this podcast. Uh, I haven't as of now posted anything, but I do have ideas coming on. Uh, you can follow me on stanley.ching at TikTok. Um, once again, I'm not going to be doing dance videos or anything like that. But if you're interested in novels and books and stuff like that, then maybe give it a follow. Just speaking to like other people in marketing, 
they they just say TikTok is such a good platform. And it really is because the videos are so quick. It's so visual. So yeah, I'm thinking about starting a TikTok that will be book related. So I will not be dancing or, you know, doing backflips or anything like that. But consider making and spreading your brand. Okay. There's some YouTube videos that you can search, like how can I, you know, sell my product or how can I get my name out there? They're better to check out than really to hear advice from me because I'm really an artist and not so much a businessman. Oh, last thing I'll say, if you are intent on producing a novel or whatever it is, go on YouTube and find people who have already done it and watch their videos, make a playlist, check it out, listen to them, send them emails, ask them for advice, and also join Facebook communities. For example, I've joined an Australian writing community. I've also joined like a Amazon writers community as well. So I've joined a number of them. And if you have questions, ask them. Okay. So yeah, I've actually also joined a grammar Facebook page just in case there are times when like, I didn't know what to use, whether it's a full stop or comma or colon or something like that. Yeah. Draw on resources around you. Okay. That's why you have the internet. And also if you are going down self-publishing, consider using Vellum. That's actually a piece of advice that I would give. I wouldn't get someone to edit the inside of my manuscript again. Next time I write my novel, I'm using Vellum. Vellum is a product to make the inside of your novel, I guess, quite pretty slash aesthetic. It is, it is expensive, but it will save you a lot of headache of like communicating with like other people. Like, you know, can you move this over by an inch or make this font bigger? I would use Vellum. Now, Vellum is like $300 or $400. So it's not particularly cheap. But if you pay once, I'm pretty sure you never have to pay again. I'm also not sponsored by Vellum. So don't think I'm, you know, pushing you there because it helps my wallet. All right, next topic. What is the difference between releasing stuff nonchalantly and being perfectionist? Okay, interestingly, I actually had Giorgio over last night and we touched upon this topic again so Giorgio and my friend slash his friend Nicholas are musicians and when it comes to that there is a level of like editing and polish that you can do which at a stage the audience doesn't actually know so what I'm trying to say is like if you polish the same thing 500 times by the end the tweaks are so minor that it doesn't really make that much of a difference on the audience and I could say that by the end of my novel, that was true. The changes I was making, whether it's a full stop or period, honestly, sorry, full stop or period, full stop or comma, honestly, most people will not pick up on it because 99% of the book has already like been written and the themes and the ideas have already been solidified. So it really depends on how much perfectionist you are. Now, perfectionist seems like a cool thing. You know, I'm a perfectionist. I'm, you know, I'm on my grind. I'm always working hard, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, it can be quite self-destructive. And it was difficult for me to walk that line. And I think my personality and just my values meant that I sided probably a little too much with perfectionism. But at the same time, I think I knew I was always super motivated to write. And the idea of me like, you know, just polishing and polishing and never being able to release it. I just never felt like that crossed my mind. Like I always knew like at one point this is coming out. 
So that's a question to ask yourself. Like, what level of motivation do you have? If you have heaps of motivation, like un, undying levels of a motiv- of motivation, which is what I felt like I had, then maybe you can be a little more of a perfectionist. This is a quote that Giorgio said, which also stuck with me. And I think it's quite telling. And went something along the lines of like, an artist always romanticizes their work, but your art really isn't perfect. And trying to achieve that is just egotistical. So what that is trying to say is like, there are some people, and I would sort of include myself in this camp, who like keep polishing their work and always feel like, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Well, that's because you romanticize your work too much. And I know this is ironic or this is rich coming from me because, you know, that's one reason I took so long with this novel. It took five years instead of three and a half, which I probably could have gotten it out at, you know, at the four year mark. But basically artists will romanticize their work. So they will say, oh, this is like groundbreaking. And it might be groundbreaking. It really might be groundbreaking. But the issue is, when you romanticize your work too much and you elevate being an artist like to the you know to the heavens oh this is the true profession this is the real stuff that matters in life that can really hinder your progress as an artist because you're taking so much time to make tiny little edits and someone else potentially could have released two novels in the time that it took to release one i guess just Consider how much time you're willing to put into this and whether or not you want to be a perfectionist. Now, a lot of this is based on your own values. Like for me, I have perfectionist tendencies and it's up to me to try to push myself in the other way. If you just release stuff nonchalantly and it's not that good, that might be hard to build a brand as well because people start associating your work with like not that much intent or that much care. That might be a problem as well. I never really fell into that camp because I always cared way too much and you know probably put too much time into it. But basically, if you can take anything away from Georgia's quote, it would be if you romanticize yourself and you think being an artist is like the only thing that matters, then you are going to take your work way too seriously and that will actually hinder you releasing anything and maybe hinder you getting feedback which will help you grow as an artist. And a person. So, what sort of inspiration did I have? Okay, I'm just going to name a few films, music, novels, and mangas which inspired me. And whilst I'm doing this, I really want you to consider what are some pieces of art which have inspired you? And what are some pieces of art that you want to emulate? Now, I'm speaking as a writer, but apply this to any field that you want to enter. If you want to be a writer, you need to be reading all the time or you need to be reading a damn lot of the time because what will happen with a lot of writers and I fell into this is you'll write and then you'll get better because you just spend more time doing it and then you'll start thinking like oh wow I'm really really good there's nothing that I can learn from other people and that is not true that is absolutely not true especially when you're a beginner so find pieces of art that inspire you and they don't always have to be in your medium And as you see, I will mention songs and films which have inspired me because I've wanted to replicate that mood. So here we go. Some films. Lost in Translation gets a shout out. And if you actually look at the title of my novel, A Break in Rapport, it's actually quite similar phonetically to Lost Lost in Translation. 
and there's a reason why greatly inspired by that that film yee yee is another one still walking before sunrise and her so if you have watched any of those films or if you're amazing and you've watched all of them then you'll know that the type of film that i like is like slow very emotionally rich and there's not much like violence or like a huge plot and what i mean by that is let's just take before sunrise which is probably the most famous out of all of them it's really two people meeting for the first time developing a relationship and then realizing something about life and the beauty of life from their interaction now that can sound kind of boring to other people but to me i find that so exciting because maybe i've been in that situation or maybe i find just the mundane thing of like even seeing a friend so emotionally rich that i gravitate towards the slow films that replicate my life i feel like i can see myself in those characters in a way that i can't see myself when i you know very rarely but you know on the off chance i watch like a marvel film i can't really relate to doctor strange but i can relate to the protagonist of lost in translation so when it comes to music i actually gave each chapter a different song and that's because i felt that that song captured the mood i have a list somewhere i haven't released it but you know maybe i might but here are a few staples that i listen to in order to get me in the mood of writing the black skirts and if you need to listen to any song out of that i'd probably check out hollywood or everything by the black skirts hyoko which is a korean indie band and if you need to check out anything newborn is really good win win w i space i n g and just repeat that again also tomboy is really good by hyoko and cigarettes after sex is also a staple really somber really melancholic and i thought it just fit the mood of my novel completely i'm also a huge fan of sad sad boy songs so these all fit my my vibe so cigarettes after sex check out sweet truly apocalypse these are three great songs and if you're interested and you like that go branch out afterwards when it comes to novels perfume by patrick suskind was suskind or suskind i think it's kind that is one of the greatest novels i've ever read and it's probably the novel i recommend first to people highly highly inspired by that novel and just the wording and descriptions that that man uses is just so rich and vibrant and eloquent that i really took a lot of the style and feel and try to put it into my own words in my own setting also yukio mishima for anyone who actually knows this person yes i know politically he is really out there and i don't share his political views but as an artist he is an amazing writer and i don't think i've ever read anything from him which i did not enjoy now my favorite novel from him is probably the golden pavilion no definitely the golden pavilion if you need to check out anything a little shorter maybe the sailor who fell from grace with the sea or from the sea check that out but yukio mishima beautiful writer also a few other books the remains of the day by hmm what's this guy's name kazo ishiguro fantastic book still melancholic things about nostalgia you know that sort of thing which i really vibe with the great gatsby was also another one of my favorites when it came to manga and anime 
hugely influenced by Cowboy Bebop. And if anyone has watched Cowboy Bebop and they happen to have read my novel, you'll know that a few chapters are actually inspired by episode names of Cowboy Bebop. So for example, Asteroid Blues is the first episode name of Cowboy Bebop. And I take this and it's actually one of the chapter names in my novel. Actually, let's just jump back to the music for a bit. In Loveless by My Bloody Valentines, an amazing album. I love shoegaze, the genre. It's just so, I, I, I keep using the word rich and vibrant, but that's what it feels like to me. And the, once again, the reason I'm telling you this is if you want to start writing, you need to use different art to inspire you. In the same way, a athlete will listen to music in order to pump himself or herself up. It's the exact same thing. Now, this might mean that you actually end up using art as like a tool in order to get you to a certain place instead of just enjoying it like artistically, which some art nerds like me, you know, actually care about. Other people don't really care about this, but yeah, you need to, I feel like you need to use art as an inspiration, which will mean that you will see and view other art a little more as a tool which is a bit of a downside, but it's still, I would say, essential. Okay, next one. Was my writing spontaneous or planned? So my writing is very planned, and I've seen and heard other people talk about the importance of spontaneity, and probably the most famous example of this is actually Hayao Miyazaki with Studio Ghibli. He just draws a scene or an image that he really likes, and then from that, he will then build a film around that. Now, I am someone who is, I guess, as a personality trait, very organized. And also, I just want things to be structured. And I do that because I don't want at the very end, I need to tie up a loose end, which I just thought of, I changed the story in a certain way, and I don't know how to actually address it. So I was actually super structured. And I knew what I wanted to happen in every chapter. Now, at the same time, you know, there's no way you're 100% spontaneous or 100% organized. Even though I lean towards being organized and structured, there were times I changed the plot. There were chapters I actually removed completely. Maybe sometimes I distributed the chapters or what would happen in this chapter into other chapters. So that is something that you need to think of. I guess my only feedback is not only is it impossible, as I said, to go 100% spontaneous, 100% planned, you shouldn't aim for that either. So I'm speaking to people who generally plan their novels. If you do that, always open yourself to the room of random bursts of spontaneity. And they will happen and they're great. And listen to your inner voice and let your pen just flow. And that was and sometimes I actually wrote some of the best chapters or best sections with that spontaneity so even if you are super structured and there are a lot of advantages to that like I said you can tie up loose ends because you know exactly where the novel is going if you are that kind of writer which I am open yourself up to spontaneity once it happens so for example if there's a chapter and you think at the very end you want to end it here but just spontaneously you add something or you remove something that's fine you do not have to follow the plan that you wrote before you started this chapter all right 
Next one. So what style of writing did you employ? So this is something that I want to emphasize. People often say, tell me the plot and then tell me your style, as if these are two different things. But the reality is plot and style are so intertwined that you really can't have one without the other. Now, that might sound like an obvious comment, but what I'm trying to say is your plot is, you know, what you what you're trying to tell and the style is, you know, how you're trying to tell that. But in reality, a finished piece of work really embodies both. So, my style is as I said in the inspiration which the different pieces of art which inspired me, very slow, melancholic, nostalgic, very vivid in imagery and that is how I wrote it and it it actually affects the plot as well. I had a slow And let's talk about some of the criticisms I got. A person actually wrote and said, you know, there are times when it was too descriptive and I actually glossed over in order to keep the plot moving. And I think, you know, that's a, I guess, a fair criticism. Other people have said that the long descriptions really draw them in and they can imagine everything, which is also something I was trying to go for as well. And it's like a double-edged sword. So I'm not even sure if I'm answering the question, but... I would say there is no distinction between style and story. How you tell a story affects what happens in the story and vice versa. But I would say that my fear of letting time pass, like I'm someone who reminisces a lot and finds beauty in the moment and nostalgia. So there's a part of me which is really scared to see time move forward. And because of that, my story took that value on. And what I mean by that is the long descriptions are not just there to be beautiful. Hopefully it is beautiful, but it's actually also there to show that Ethan, the main character, very much like me, is terrified of letting time pass. And because of that, he uses words almost like a photograph. Like he describes everything in a scene in order to keep it as a photograph and burn it into his memory, which is something I do. Now, that value, that fear, that experience that I've had has inspired and influenced my writing. And it's up for anyone out there who wants to embark on an artistic journey to realize what scares them, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, and take all these things and you know smash it up into something and then draw from this pool of energy or ideas or values and pump it into your story but the first thing is you need to identify what emotionally moves you because when you write that's really what you're drawing upon you know you are drawing upon emotion it's not i guess it's sort of a logical task in the sense that you are you can do it very structured which is what i did but i think ultimately the heartbeat of art and the heartbeat of being an artist is the emotional side that's what i think anyway all right Let's get to the next question. So, the hardest part about writing a novel. I would say the hardest part about writing the novel is actually not writing the novel. That's probably the most enjoyable, right? Anyone who wants to become an author wants to become an author because they actually enjoy the art of writing. The hardest part is everything you need to deal with once the book is done. So whether that's the marketing, whether that's getting getting it published, and I haven't spoken, I haven't spoken, I should say, about my troubles with like publishing platforms, 
there is so many stuff that I needed to do. And I know I've mentioned this before, but at one point I needed to fill out nine different American tax forms because I wanted to use Ingram Spark, which is a publishing format, publishing company, I should say. So the hardest part is everything you need to deal with after the story has been published, whether this is trying to get a book cover, speaking to people and contacting people and like designing the spine, the back cover, what font you want to use, how large you want the font to be, where you want to put the table of contents, what you want to put at the beginning, like just all of that, like that is just so difficult and it's really hard. And that's actually one reason why people don't go down self-publishing is because it's so overwhelming and I totally get it. I've walked down that path and it is so damn hard. And that is the hardest part of becoming a published author, really. It's you're becoming an author because you care about writing and you want people to read your story. But the other stuff, the minute details that you need to deal with, otherwise your book doesn't actually get published, filling out forms, getting an ISBN. You might be thinking like, what on earth is an ISBN? But it's like a barcode in order to make sure no one steals your book. Right? No one thinks about this when they write the story. They're just like, oh, I want to tell a story about life and love and joy. But you need to do a lot of weird stuff on the side. So, yeah, that's probably the hardest part. That is definitely the hardest part. All right, next part. How do you maintain focus? How to be an artist while working full time? The short answer is if you love something, you will chase it regardless of the time or energy. Uh, for example, yeah, this this sounds weird, but like if there's someone that you're interested in and you, you want to date, you will find time to hang out with them. And I guess the same goes for writing or any artistic endeavor that you want to pursue. But at the same time, I feel like that's kind of a cop-out answer because if I just say, be passionate, that's not the most engaging and it doesn't really say much. I'll tell you how I did it. Well, firstly, there was the passion. Like I was always very passionate and I knew that from the beginning. So that's something I could harness. Having friends who are into the arts makes it easier because if you can discuss it, you can almost like pump new energy into yourself when you get new ideas. And as I said, if you show them your work and they enjoy it or they give you feedback, that can also pump energy into it or pump energy into you. But as I said, just be aware the consequences of doing that as i spoke about earlier i think it's really important to have schedules and this isn't just like i want to get this book published on this day it can include that it can also be schedules and habits such as every morning or every saturday morning i'm doing this and that's actually something i would do as a teacher i knew i couldn't go into class with nothing prepared Right, It's not like an IT job where you can go in and then you do the work there. I needed to produce work at home or in the holidays and then teach it in class. So because of that, I was hyper-focused during the holidays. During the holidays, I would often make a lot of resources, meaning once I get into class, once I get into school, I don't really have to be making resources during the term. I can be focusing on other stuff such as marking assignments or doing reports or, in this case, writing my novel. And I had a habit where I would wake up on Saturday morning for like many years, I don't know, three, three and a half years, up until like the novel was basically done and then I needed to edit it. Up until that point, I would wake up at Saturday morning, 
And then I would just write, write for hours, write for three hours, probably not three. Yeah, sometimes three hours, but usually around two hours. And I would just keep writing, keep writing and, and do not stop. So that is something that I developed into a habit. And the reason you need this is because this is such a long journey that I think I said this at the very beginning, any single burst of inspiration will not be able to fuel you. Because what do you do like three months after your your promise to yourself, I will write a novel, right? It always happens at night. It's like 11.30 and you did nothing that day. So you just realize I'm going to do something in my life and you make a promise to go to the gym or eat healthy. And the next day that motivation vanishes. So really motivation is important, but you need to build habits. And yes, that sounds really easy. You know, it's really easy to say, you know, build habits, do this every Saturday morning. The real difference maker is the people who actually do it. And I know I sound like, you know, the YouTube people, or the Joe Rogan people who tell you like, you know, wake up at 4am, do a thousand pushups. But I think whilst their advice is kind of simple, and there's a chance that I might fall into that as well, there is a truth in the argument that those who care the most will end up doing it. So Lean into your passion, tailor your passions into schedules and into disciplined timelines, and then you will be fine. But find time to work on your work. And if you love doing this, you will find time naturally anyway. Okay, how do you know a novel has been completed? That's a hard question. I would say that this is not a logical decision that you come to. This is really an emotional decision. So once you've read it a few times, and you can say, you know what, I'm happy with this, then I think it's done. So it's not about how many edits you, you do. So it's not like after, you know, four edits, that's it. It's not like, you know, you do one edit and it's it. So I can't give you a certain number of edits. I can't give you a certain number of editors that need to look at it. It's really an emotional decision. And I think that's the best thing to do. If you read it and you go, yes, I'm happy with this, then it's done. Okay, now, what are some other tips that I have? All right, well, I've got a number, and a lot of this comes from just experience of finally getting my novel published. Firstly, be kind to yourself. The average author takes five years for their first novel. So I'm actually completely average in that sense. But be kind to yourself, and you will get it published. Second thing, understand your emotional investment. I said this before. But if you're super passionate and you know you're not lying to yourself, you're like, I'm getting this book published, perhaps you can be a little more of a perfectionist because you know that your passion will be able to sustain you even after a few years. If you don't think you have the same level of passion, that's okay. Maybe look for a smaller project or maybe give yourself less of a, a, a deadline or maybe give yourself a shorter deadline so you can get stuff out. Maybe you need to talk with your friends more and get them to give you feedback more so you can feel energetic about your project but understand your emotional investment and then keep that as something to always go back to and something to recognize and then work your schedule and your plans around that so if, if this is something that you know you will not be happy with yourself unless you finally publish a book then maybe you have the mental energy to sustain a longer writing 
period. Okay, something else is for your book cover, make sure it looks good on a website. So when people are scrolling through like Amazon or Book Depository, make sure it looks good and that they can see the title and they can see stuff well enough because that's how a lot of people purchase books. They don't only go into a brick and mortar store like Dimmicks and pull out a book. They actually go online and buy a book. So make sure visually it looks good as a thumbnail. This is a piece of advice that I got from Avatar, The Last Airbender. Make the story worse before it gets better. Now, to anyone, and this is a spoiler, so if you don't want any spoilers on Avatar The Last Airbender, skip forward by 20 seconds. But anyone who has watched the Zuko arc knows exactly what I'm talking about. It gets worse in Season 2, and then something magical happens at the end of Season 3, and Zuko becomes basically everyone's favorite character. So in your novel, and this is something that I do in my novel, Ethan's life gets drastically worse and then I build it back up. And I think the contrast, because it was so low at one point, that any sort of growth, any sort of triumph becomes magnified. So that's something to keep in mind. And probably the most important piece of advice that I can give to anyone out there is check the extended distribution for Amazon, KDP. And I didn't use Ingram Spark, but check it for KDP Amazon. Now you might be asking, Stanley, what on earth are you talking about? So this is probably the most important piece of advice I can give you. And funny enough, it's actually coming at the end. So I might have to say, stay to the very end till you for you to get a piece of advice, for you to get an important piece of advice. So Extended distribution means that if you sign with KDP, Amazon, and that's really what I focused upon because I think Amazon services are better. And if you're interested in why, send me a message. I won't get into it now, but I really think Amazon's services are better. Now, extended distribution means that if you publish stuff with Amazon, it will still get published on affiliated websites. Now, this could be Book Depository because Amazon actually owns Book Depository. I don't know all the websites. And IngramSpark, which is a opposing publishing company, the, I guess you could say, a rival to Amazon's KDP, they have other websites like a Booktopia, which they will send their books to. So if you go with Amazon, so let's just focus on Amazon now. If you go with KDP Amazon, KDP stands for Kindle Direct Publishing, then if you click extended distribution as you are at the final stages of your novel, it will go into other websites, like I said, book depository. But, and here's the most important thing, you need to make sure your novel fits the requirements for extended distribution. So if you are actually about to design how your novel looks because you've finished the manuscript, pause this podcast, type in KDP extended distribution, and make sure that you have chosen a combination of page size, like page type, for example, cream type or white paper. You'll understand this if you're in the final stage. You should go with cream if you are just publishing like a normal novel. If you're doing like a picture book, then you might go white. But yeah, for example, let's just take cream paper and then you choose a certain size for your novel. Make sure it can 
achieve extended distribution. If not, and you suffer my novel's fate, it will only be sold on Amazon and it will not go to other websites such as Book Depository. Now, I had no idea about this until the very, very end, which is heartbreaking because I really wanted my novel on Book Depository. But because it was formatted in a certain size, and once again, pause the podcast and search up KDP Extended Distribution, because it's in a, I guess, a certain size, it could not go onto other websites, which it annoyed me so much. And if I could go back in time and give any piece of advice to myself, it would be this. Make sure you check the extended distribution and you choose a size and format for your novel, which allows your book to be sold on different websites. Okay, I think that is everything. I'm sure people have other questions as well. The big takeaway is if I did talk about like my interest or my inspirations, see that as an opportunity Take that as an opportunity for you to consider what motivates you. And don't just blindly take my words. You need to do a lot of research and use this podcast as just one of many different pieces of research that you use to inform your decisions when you finally get to publishing your novel. And if anyone has any other questions, you can always reach out to me. I'm very available and I will always respond. You can reach out to me on my website. There's a area to actually send me an email you can reach out to me on instagram stanley.ching you can reach out to me on i guess twitter if you want that's a strange place to reach out to me but you can reach out to me on twitter i think it's stanley ching art and if you have any questions or you are interested in writing or publishing anything artistically don't hesitate because i would love to give you a hand i know how difficult this road is because i've walked it and there are times when i just felt like why am I filling out these forms or why do I have to know what an ISBN is? Why do I have to know what the National Library of Australia is? Why do I have to deal with them? But if you're interested in actually getting your novel into paper and into other people's hands, this is unfortunately a road that you need to walk through if you choose self-publishing. So once again, reach out to me if you need any advice. And I'll try my best. Take it easy. Adios. See you later. Thank you for tuning into Safety Lost with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description.